Welcome everyone to another episode of the Ableton Music Producer Podcast. This is Dan Giffen. Today we have an amazing guest, my good friend Toby Hunka. Um, you may know him as Ableton Drummer. He is a guru for the playback world, for drummers using Ableton Live. Um, today we're going to talk a lot about different ideas drummers can use or producers can use using Ableton Live's tools. Um, we talk about favorite Ableton drum packs, other VSTs, new follow feature coming in Live 11 and how you can use that with performing and customizing Live to follow you and the tempo that you're playing rather than you following Live's tempo. There's a lot of really good stuff in this episode. I'm excited to share with you. But before we get into the episode, I have a couple announcements. First of all, a huge shout out to Adam Audio. And if you're not familiar with Adam Audio, they make amazing studio monitors. So Adam Audio has developed a speaker for every studio budget all across the board, different sizes with their latest being Adam Audio T8V. It has a large eight inch woofer and specialized ribbon tweeter. The T8V boosts an industry leading frequency range from 33 Hertz to 25 kilohertz allowing you to hear every detail in your mix from your booming 808s to like your sizzling hi-hat bops. Yeah, so check it out, Adam Audio. They make great speakers for all different budgets. If you want more information about Adam Audio and if you're looking for some studio monitors, definitely check out the T8V and go to adam-audio.com. So it's adam-audio.com. Check it out. Big thanks to Adam Audio for supporting this episode. Also want to give a big shout out to my partners Melodics in sponsoring this podcast. If you're not familiar with Melodics yet, go to Melodics.com. It's a desktop app. You can download to your computer. You can plug in your MIDI keyboard or your Push 2 controller and start practicing right away and grow your skills in the studio. And it's a great way to gamify practicing and have fun while doing it and just become a better player. So check it out. They have them for electronic drums. They have them for, say, the Push 2 or a lot of different MIDI controllers. So get a free trial. Go to Melodics.com. If you want to subscribe and purchase a subscription, then use the discount code LPO-20 and uh, yeah, save that piggy bank. Before we jump into today's episode real quick, uh, I wanted to let you know, I really have been wanting to foster more of a community. I feel like I'm a lot of times just talking at you guys. I get a lot of questions about Ableton Live and I get a lot of people hitting me up and saying, hey, like I'd love to connect with you more. And so I started a Discord community and it's a great place for you and I to hang out, to get to know each other, to share memes to post questions or new findings and articles that are happening in the world of music production, specifically with Ableton Live, go to liveproducersonline.com discord, and you can click the button for a private link there and request to join the Discord community. Once you're in there, hit me up. My username is Dan the Man. Would love to get to know you. You'll meet other Ableton Live users, and I'm really just going to be investing in growing that community. So VIP members have to join my membership at liveproducersonline.com, and then you can access 24-hour support from me on all of your Ableton Live questions and track feedback and tons of other cool stuff. That's enough marketing for now. Just wanted to let you know. Check that out. Thanks, Adam, Audio, Melodics, and check out this new Discord I just started, liveproducersonline.com slash discord 
So today's episode with Toby was awesome. He just released a guide talking about Live11's new follower and how to adjust tempo and to really dial in playing live and having Ableton's tempo follow you. So check that out. Um, go to ableton.drummer.com, see the blog section. It's called the Ableton Live Tempo Tempo Follower Guide. And now for today's episode with Toby, check it out. Well, dude, thanks for joining the podcast, man. Like for all the people listening right now, if you don't know who this guy is, Toby Hunka, he's a musician, Ableton instructor, founder of AbletonDrummer.com. Go check that out. He's created tons of Macs for Live devices, solving technical problems for Ableton Live users like myself, as well as building lots of creative devices for producing. By the way, congrats on your newest one, uh, Melodic Trigger. Yes, Melody Trigger, yes. Yeah, I saw you posted a video of you just banging on some electronic drums and creating melodies, and it was, it was really dope. Sounded cool. Thanks. But yeah, we met, as we were saying earlier, before we started recording, we met at Loop 2019. Uh, we just like sat down at a random cafe because there was really nowhere to sit. And like we were just waiting in between workshops and for things to start because we got there early. Uh, and we were just chilling and, and just talking about random nerdy stuff. And I was like, this guy really knows what he's talking about. Like, <laughs> he really knows what he's talking about. And then I checked out your website and I was like, oh, damn. And I ended up using your SPD-SX Max for Live nice, device cool. for several of my shows. Yeah, over the years since we first met, and it's been really helpful just being able to... Uh, and we can nerd out. We'll, we'll nerd out in a second. I'm not going to go into that. <laughs> but yeah, man, uh, it's good to see you. It's good to hear your voice. And... Let's just dive in and talk. Like, first of all, for people who don't know you, other than what I just already said, like, tell us about yourself. Like, how did you get to where you are now? Well, it's 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 about forty years ago. <laughs> where should I start? Well, I mean, um, it's it's really interesting because, like, my my dad was a trumpet player and a trumpet teacher, so uh, that's how I got into music. And so, uh, with six years, I started playing trumpets. Then I started playing drums and then I started playing piano and then I had a phase where like, um, yeah, I, I quit school. I had a punk rock phase like when I was 14, 15 and started playing in bands and uh, yeah, just uh, started to, to, to play in semi-professional bands touring Europe and um, yeah, just doing the, the DIY circuit really all over Europe. And then like I asked myself, what do I want to do for a career? And I wanted to study music. And at this point, because, um, yeah, universities and actually the courses in Germany weren't, or there weren't there that many courses to do. So I went to England, to Bristol to study there, stayed there for four years, um, fall in love with electronic music, especially drum and bass, and started to use Ableton Live. Since then, I'm using Ableton Live and then uh, moved followed this path and started to program Maxwell Live devices about five years ago. And yeah, now kind of doing that at a, as a full-time thing, teaching people online, doing tutorials, um, releasing Maxwell Live devices. That's the show. Yeah. How has that been the last year? It's been a weird year for everybody. Like with COVID, it's staying pretty busy with doing support and stuff, even though people aren't playing a lot of live shows. Like yeah. Good. Yeah, I mean, awesome. how was the year for you? I mean, what what were the good things which happened to you through the pandemic? You know, it, it's actually really weird. Like, my project, Philia, I've probably played more shows in 2020 mm. than I did before. 
like and most of it was live streams obviously but but i feel like it, with the live streaming game i just kind of went all in with that and did more live streams and yeah it's been weird i i feel like it was a big fat reset button for everything i do just like reevaluating like what am i doing with exactly. my life kind of yeah. thing you know and I, how can I move forward and what do I want to be doing versus what I have been doing? So, yeah, I mean, in that respect, it actually was a pretty good year. And I know it's been pretty tough for most people, so mm, I feel bad mm-hmm. saying that. But it was 2020 was was not great, but it wasn't the worst it could have been. Mm. So. And I'm healthy. been taking my vitamins, drinking a lot of water, you know, smoking less. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, because I'm smoking. I'm actually smoking much more. It's like it's definitely going to kill yeah. me. It's, it's just like. Because Uh-oh. it's perfect because like you can't do much else than walking at the moment. So we are we're in lockdown in Germany since uh, I think the 16th of December, like second full lockdown. So the schools are sometimes open, sometimes half of the people, but like um, just all shops which are not like um, selling food and stuff um, are closed. So, yes, um, so you're sitting at home and of course you are doing music or you're chatting with people online and they have issues like trying, want to get something solved and I'm just constantly working on Macs for Live devices and I love sitting at the computer drinking some latte macchiato, drinking some espresso with milk and smoking cigarettes and programming Macs for Live, so yes. You're, you're describing, you're actually describing my life in some ways. I drink mm. far too much coffee and like you stare at a computer all day and you're doing support. Like you got to treat yourself. You got to go out and like, even if it's just doing yoga or just kind of like emptying your brain somehow, however it works for you, you got to take breaks, making music. Teaching. I went to, I went to last year in February, actually this time last year, I was at a yoga retreat in Zanzibar in Africa amazing like i had like yoga twice a day or i was doing yoga classes twice a day and i felt so nice. good my body felt so right it was right? yeah it was awesome you know and still it's it's a it's a new habit i should like invest more time and then do more things like that obviously so yeah. but it's so much st- stuff is happening and and i mean ableton life is coming the new follow feature which we yeah, gonna talk later about it yeah, we will so 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 much stuff as, yeah. as you said like you played more shows in 2020 than before for example so it's it's nice to reset but it's it's a really productive year as well yeah yeah totally yeah no 100 and, and i i think now is the best time to be making music not only because live 11 is coming out which we're biased and we love but i think it's definitely a great time for people just to use it as a therapy tool more than anything right because for me music is therapy i don't know what i would do without it so yeah for sure man well i know that you have a specific niche with drummers like that's your thing your website's abletondrummer.com everybody go check it out it's really cool I know you kind of started out with some trumpet, which I think is really badass. I would love to learn trumpet. That's like my one instrument I would just love to do. For people that are drummers, you know, why is Ableton Live the move? Like what what makes Ableton Live the move as a doll? Somebody's choosing a doll as a drummer. Good question. Very good question. I Well, to, to be honest, it really depends on what you want to do. Because if you're going to use drum VSTs, for example, you still have some issues 
uh, even in Ableton 11, uh, the choke function on the symbols, aftertouch, etc. It's 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 nearly there. I couldn't I couldn't solve it yet with the 11 beta, but I have an idea. But okay, there there are a few things where you where you have to be honest to say like, well, if you really want to do those things, maybe this might be not the right door for you. But of course, for me, because um, Max for Life using velocity. You're playing velocity on the drums, which is like how hard or how loud you hit uh, a drum. You can use this and and set this to a pitch, uh, set this to to control your re reverb just on this one sound or on a different sound. And obviously, it's it's so Ableton Live is so accessible. I mean, I was like recording um, in studios and stuff, and yeah, I was like the first records were still like on tape machines, obviously, but. Then I saw Logic, I saw uh, Cubase, etc. And I always wanted to create music with the computer, but it felt too complicated, too overloaded. And Ableton Live is just something where I can, I can, I can do a course with you like two times two hours, and and you will make your own tune in those in those four hours. Yeah. Obviously, loop based stuff and etc. But it's just like uh, the whole aspect of the accessibility of Ableton Live and what you can use it for. You can use it for recording. You can use it for live audio effects, running your live acoustic drums through there as like New Model Army, for example, are doing this just to make your acoustic drum sounds a bit more electronic. You can use it as a, as a drum sound module. So you can just plug in your SPDSX or your TD50 or whatever electronic kit you got. You can plug it in and just drag and drop samples into a drum rack and you're ready to go, you know? And this is like so accessible, so easy to do. And of course, if you want to do more advanced stuff, like I mentioned, or the melody trigger you said where I'm doing shows or I developed this device to play melodies with acoustics or with electronic drums. So you're stepping through a melody or through chords and all the stuff is like doable in one door mm -hmm. and you don't need to switch for this function or for that function. And that's what I think is so unique. Yeah. Then you have a huge community. You can ask people on the internet. You can ask people like me. You can write people like Dan, you know, like to get in touch and to, to, to find other people who are doing similar shit like you are doing. Yeah, yeah. And, and those, those things are really unique about Ableton Live. Yeah. No, it really is like an instant family member. When I meet somebody who's like using Ableton for years, I'm like, oh, we're friends. Like, I don't even have to talk to them more than that. I'm just mm -hmm. like, yeah, we're friends. It's a, little, it's a family community thing you're saying. Yeah, for sure. Well, I know a big part of what you do with Ableton Drummer is building Max for Live, which uh, Ben Casey, who works with Ableton Corporate, he described it to me once as digital duct tape. And I think that's perfect. Ah, nice. <laughs> yeah. It just like tapes together things that Ableton Live doesn't natively do on its own. And honestly, that's a rabbit hole that I've kind of poked my head in a little bit and just tweaked a little things. But like, mm. I'm nowhere near on the level that you are by any stretch. Like with that being said, there's so many more capabilities with Ableton Live on top of everything you just mentioned, such as like adjusting the velocity and the pitch and adjusting MIDI notes. For me, one one example of a technical issue I had that needed Max for Live was this SB, SPD-SX that I mentioned at the beginning of the episode. Um, you created this really simple device. Basically, I can create a MIDI clip in Ableton Live, and as I was playing with a band, when we changed scenes or we got to that part in arrangement view, that note would trigger MIDI out into my 
SPDSX, which is just like a drum pad I could beat on with drumsticks. And then the presets in that brain would just automatically change because Ableton Live would tell it to with mm -hmm. the help of your device. And that mm -hmm. was a game changer for me. It's so simple, but like it was just a need. And you've created hundreds of that kind of stuff. Um, what would you say are some of like the most common technical problems you've seen from drummers over the years? You can do so much with Ableton Live and you see like people, oh yeah, I want to do, I want to do live show and I want it to, to trigger and to trigger lasers and to trigger lights and to trigger video. And then, yeah. you know, and it's, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. It's going to be huge, you know? And then it's like, yeah, okay. But first of all, you have, yeah, you have to write some music or you have to do some remixes. Right. Yeah. You, know, you, you, yeah. Need, you, you, you want to do some music. Right. Yeah. And then, and then like all the performance stuff comes on top of it. Right. Right. And, and of course, it's like, you know, depending on what you're going to do, it's like, um, it's part of the music. It's not like one or the other. A lot of, a lot of my clients, um, especially the drummers who are starting to like, they have this idea of making a huge show, show with what I just mentioned, lasers, video, and da, da, da. it's all possible, but it takes you ages. And I mean, the core is music. So you have to compose, you have to produce. Right. And so I would say this is like what not, not only drummers, but like everyone. And you might know this from, from students, people are coming to you. Yeah. I want to be a big DJ. Yeah. I want to be dead mouse. Like, no, yeah, there's, there's yeah. one of those. We don't need another one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, I hear what you're saying. Like, as far as like taking baby steps and I'm sure people want to just jump straight into the technical stuff real quick. It's like, nah, like you need to take a step back. You need to like make some music first and then we'll talk about next steps. I hear that, but as far as like, what are some common issues like that you have this group, you've built a community on Facebook. Um, like I just mentioned one problem I had as far as changing presets mm -hmm. in the brain of hardware. What are some other like really common things, I guess, that just pop up, just random things that mm -hmm. you might see regularly in that community? I think common things are like understanding what is a MIDI note pitch. <laughs> Yeah, it's, I mean, for people it. listening right now, there's probably a lot of new listeners, a lot of newbies out there. Like, what? How would you describe that, like, to them? I I like then to point at my uh, e-piano, which is just next to me here, and just said, okay, let's let's take this let's take this note, and just imagine this e-piano is talking to the computer, and they speak the same language, and this language is called MIDI. And so, what if I'm pressing this note? the e-piano is saying to the computer, hello, I'm note G1 and I'm playing this loud. And now I stop. And that loudness would be the velocity. Exactly. Zero to 127. So you have that many parameters that you can play with than 128. Yes. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's just one example because people like, people are used to like, especially electronic drummers. They're buying an electronic drum kit and they plug in the headphones they got the presets, they might have some audio effects, and that's it. And then they said, I want to do more than only like playing those sounds. I want to play sounds in Ableton Live. And then, okay, you connect it via USB, MIDI, and then you need to know how to route it into the track. Like, how do you make a MIDI connection and how do you route the MIDI connection? And then once that's done, you're playing your kick drum, but um, you're getting a crash cymbal. So, uh, and, and then you're like, whoa, why, why am I getting a crash symbol? Because I'm, I'm playing a kick drum. And then this is where you need to understand like, okay, why is my kick drum triggering a crash 
sample. <laughs> yep, been there. Been there a few yeah. times. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah we, we've all been there. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And so what I try to do just to just just to give you the full picture, this like not at this point I'm coming in and saying, like, well, actually, okay, here's a Max for Life device. You just locate the crash sample in your drum rack and then you press on S for sync on this uh MIDI note or this um drum rack slot in my device, and then you play your kick drum. You just kick your kick drum and the MIDI note is being detected automatically, you know? So it's like trying to to just like um, translate stuff, giving a nicer user interface, yeah, to help people to get there faster without like understanding everything of MIDI note pitch just with one device, which is a drum rack tuner, it's called. Yeah, I played with that. I love that yeah. thing. That thing's really cool. No, and yeah. that's perfect for people who play electronic drum sets too, because, um, and you could explain this better than I could, I'm sure, but you know, if I'm hitting my crash symbol, there's multiple zones on that crash symbol that are sending multiple MIDI messages into my drum rack if I'm trying to trigger my samples in Ableton Live playing an mm -hmm. electronic drum set. And that can get really weird. And so I used to basically copy and paste the same sound into these multiple slots in the drum rack, which was kind of a pain in the ass just to do that over and over for mm. each individual drum. Mm -hmm. But that your device you were just describing would solve that, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you can just create a preset there, save it, and you're done, you know? And and it's similar like the SPDSX uh, changing kits, which is just one simple me message uh, from Ableton Live to the SPDSX. And it can be sent natively by starting a clip in Ableton Live and setting this clip to send a program change. So nice. you, you can't change, like, you have to have... Like for each program change, you you always have to start a new clip. So my device is more flexible than that. But in the end, I just I just gave people a device which makes has the UI of the SPDSX, has the same plus and minus buttons, yeah. you know. So it's easier to understand, it's easier to connect. And that's yeah, it's really sometimes it's it's simple just simplifying stuff. Yeah. And sometimes it's of course making connections and using this digital duct tape. Yeah, you're just yeah. handing a roll of, of tape to everybody out there and they're loving yeah. you for it. Saving the world one one piece of tape at a time. So what are some other like fun, creative Max for Live devices that are more popular that you've made? Maybe we can just shout a couple of those out real fast. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's definitely the Melody Trigger was a big one now. And, and this is really like, I mean, opening up the possibilities to use, for example, using your kick and your snare drum. I use acoustic drums at the moment quite quite a lot and I got like um, electronic drum triggers on there. They're going into a drum module and this drum module is sending MIDI notes to Ableton Live. What and a, I'm at, sorry, what kind of triggers and drum module are you using? Just curious. Um, I'm using the older uh, Roland RT's series. Um, nice. They were they were great, and because they're not the newest, they go quite cheap on eBay, so I can hi highly advise to use them still. Yeah, I have those too. I love them. And then I'm using, um, at the last show, I started to use the eDrumin uh, interface. It's it's just a trigger-to-midi interface. It's got no sounds, and it's uh, it's really small. There are two versions of it. One comes like with four inputs, and the bigger one, I believe got 10 inputs oh that's great put switch as well and it's all 
it comes with an editor nice. on your Mac or PC or on your on your iOS device. Awesome. Check that out. So you it's it's great and then it's like it goes for like 150 160 US, you know, and oh, it's like it's so much cheaper than buying like a Roland full drum brain. Yes. Yeah, that's great. That's yeah. great. So and and it's it's more when once I've been going to be able to travel again. It's re it's like the size of a cigarette uh, box, so and you know and it got all you need plus it got this amazing editor where you actually see the the spikes and um you have a nice velocity curve editor etc so it's 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 a nice thing to use yeah. yeah so i was using that on my last show i did with the melody trigger device and the melody trigger is actually getting those midi notes from my drum kit and then i can for example play with the bass and the kick and just each hit or each kick We'll go to the next step of the sequence and trigger that note. And I can like change this note to using the live velocity I'm playing or using uh, jumping back, jumping forward, jumping somewhere random if I just want to play in a scale. And then I hit a different pad and then it goes to the next part or to the next chord. And so I get like mainly playing melodies on my hi-hats. I use two hi-hats and yeah, having a pad to just switch parts and I'm completely playing without no metronome i'm completely like can make the music breathe and just just go yeah. with the flow and sometimes i play more dubby or sometimes a bit more a bit faster it yeah. really depends yeah that's super cool well and here's my other question kind of following up with that have you played with follow much yes i have i mean um i have the beta now for a couple of months and i was uh, actually doing two interviews with Andrew, who is like the programmer behind Follow, and Amu, who's, uh, who is or was the product owner from uh, Ableton for Follow for the new Follow feature. And um, I'm just about to finish like a, a guide, uh, a PDF guide for the whole tempo concepts. There are like dynamic tempo concepts for Ableton Live. Yeah. So um, covering tab and covering uh, face nudge and of course with a big with a lot of pages on on uh, the follow the new tempo follow feature as well so i yeah i tested it extensively i'm gonna propose different setups options there like not using only mic but using like a drum module for sounds as well wow, and that's really cool yeah that's amazing so with follow follow x right now we've been testing it in beta as like a input for audio Yes. So for MIDI, my question is like, what would that look like necessarily? Well, um, I was thinking about different concepts here. And, and obviously, I mean, follow tempo now is built for audio signal. Right. So you need to feed Ableton Live an audio signal. Right. So I was thinking, well, actually, if you're playing in a band where you don't bring usually you don't bring uh, an external sound card to feed into Ableton Live as a drummer. Um, you have to bring a sound card, you have to bring an, uh, another mic and another mic stand, which is, if you want to use this feature, is not that much to ask for, but still, you know? If you're playing an SPDS-X, anyways, you already have an external sound card there because the SPDS-X can work as a sound card. Audio out from the SPDS-X, yeah. Exactly. You can, yeah, you can just 
use uh, use it as an uh, audio in enabled knife. That would be the first advantage if you're using an SPDSX, for example, anyways. So the second thing here is, and I, I talked to a few drummers who are here using or doing the playback operations from their drums for the bands as well. So Ableton is next to them. So follow feed, the follow feature is very interesting for them. And they have the control over Ableton Live anyways. But, and this will hopefully change, but people are really scared about setting up a mic on stage <laughs> and getting a lot of crosstalks from the bases, for example. And just that was like my first thought, that was my yes. first thought is how I would, and I, my workaround is, well, maybe I would just put it on my snare, you know, maybe I would only just have a snare mic feeding that mm -hmm. second mm -hmm. mic. But I haven't done a ton of testing with that. And, you know, stages are still really loud. You know, it could pick up other stuff. So, uh, yeah, I'm real curious to hear your thoughts on a workaround with that and or MIDI. Yeah. Well, 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 first of all, I have to say, and um, and my testing proved that Ableton or what I what I got from this interview with Andrew and Emil, it has a built-in threshold. It's, it's, it's listening to dynamic drum sounds. And it's mainly listening to drum sounds, not cymbals. And kick and snare is like what you're going to play in like a normal rock four, four to the floor or like just a four, four uh, time signature. Music. So, yeah. you know, so it's, it's like it will work sure. to, to some extent, um, of course. But, but I mean, you need to feel, you need to trust it. And even if you just have one glitch, you know, you, you, you're not going to trust it. No. So just imagine you're setting up a show and you're really in a hurry and you're going to use this mic and you just, for some reason, the mic stand is not like fixed right or something. And yeah. this mic is like going somewhere else. You know, it's, it's, yeah, it's some, some... The bassist is drunk and he trips over the mic stand and it's just like your tempo goes whack. There is some insecurity. So my thought was, well, actually, if you just got an SPDSX there anyways, but you're using sounds from Ableton Live for your drum sounds, but you, you just use it as a MIDI controller. You could actually just use triggers on your kick and snare, go into the SPDSX and then use internal sounds from the SPDSX, kick and snare, and just send those to Ableton Live mm -hmm. just for the follow feature. You're not going to use those sounds for for sending them to sending them to the front of house. Just use them to feed. Yeah, that's a great idea. You know, sort it. Kick and snare, sort it. This, that's the only input follow's going to get, sort it. Right. And no. every time it's going to be the same levels, you know, mm. no threshold, uh, like uh, no crosstalks, you know, and safe. Yeah, no, I mean, I think follow is a brilliant feature that obviously, you know, it's still been in beta. I'm sure they'll upgrade it and roll it out and do all kinds of new updates as they go to like 11.1 .1 and the future. Mm -hmm. You know, it's always, beta is always that little testing ground thing, but... I'm excited. I actually routed a video of a street drummer playing just random polyrhythms, um, a YouTube video using Soundflower into Ableton Live using Follow, and I was impressed. I was really impressed with how well. Yeah. Well, speaking of like rhythms and drum things, even the last week, I have done a couple workshops where a lot of students are like, how can I make my drums feel less robotic like some robot is just like you know you're drawing maybe with your your draw tool like in the grid and mm -hmm. it's straight beats locked into the grid and i find that a lot of the production and things i do with my rhythms i'm having to work 
a little extra to make it sound less less like this programmed beat. If, so like what are a couple tips and tricks you would give to somebody as far as doing that? Obviously, um the is it probability of the velocity in Ableton uh, Live? Yes. Which you, can you know? Yeah. Just like what you had to do like manually with like changing the height so that it's not gonna sound too static, like eight or sixteen stone on the height. You know, you can just have probability uh, or the velocity range. I meant the velocity range, exactly, yeah. And then probability would be the next, like for little ghost notes, etc. Yeah. Just put notes in between. That's new in Live 11, the probability. Exactly, yes. So obviously this is stuff. And then, yeah, don't be, don't quantize too much. Just like, yeah. So the quantized settings is really helpful too, because you can adjust the amount. And I usually set mine to like 85 or 90 because mm -hmm. I'm, I, I'd like to think I'm not the worst drummer. Maybe I'm biased, but when I'm finger drumming or programming that way, I always kind of like tighten it a little bit, but not too much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's like the main things, like don't think too static. Don't like find something which is like maybe play on a table if you don't if you don't have any finger drum drumming uh inputs like a machine or a push to or something. Just play something on your table, record it and then just uh, convert the audio to MIDI, yeah. for example. Yeah. And then Yeah. Yeah. Just right click that clip. What about groove pools? Have you made any Max for Live devices that mess with grooves? At all? I don't know what that would look like, to be honest. I'm just curious. Hmm. Interesting idea. No, I haven't. And I, to be honest, I never, never used the groove pool. Really? Never. Yeah. He's a good man. I don't think I'd produce a track <laughs> last year without it. I don't know where my life would be if I didn't have groove pools. Okay. But, but, but tell me, like, how, how do you use it? Like, give me, give me one example, please. I love the MPC. So usually I'll program a beat and I have like four or five of my favorite grooves saved, which I feel like I may have to pull up now and shout it out. Yeah. But, but I love I love just assigning it to my rhythmic stuff. I don't really assign it to a lot of my melodic clips, um, especially for audio, because I find sometimes the audio with the transients, it gets a little mm -hmm. weird, a little weird mm -hmm. sometimes. But specifically, if if... I'm producing a song, a lot of times I start with the rhythm. So then if I'm playing the melody, usually I'll have the melody kind of follow what's already grooving with the clips that are assigned to the groove pool, if that makes sense. Yes. But I really like the MPC stuff. So the swing MPC double up 16ths is probably my number one. I use mm -hmm. that groove a lot. And with Live 11, people actually know grooves exist now because before that it was like tucked away in this secret archive of the core library. And you'd be like groove pool to people who used Ableton Live for years and like, what's a groove pool? Like, you know, mm -hmm, now, mm -hmm. it's, now it's like in your face. So I'm glad they did that for people that use it. Um, but yeah, that's usually what I use it for, man. Nothing really crazy special. Just assigning it to like my tambourine and my drum rack clips and mm -hmm. let it kind of kind of have a tight groove. It just might be that like because when I when I make beats, I put it in myself and then I do some little quantization here and there. But it's like, you know, if I if I wanted to swing, I just play it swing. It's it's just like it's just my concept of like how, of my way of doing yeah. Doing stuff, I think. Yeah. Well, that's the beautiful so. thing about like what we do and just making music is there's no right and wrong, really. Mm. It's like, you know, you might do something completely different than me, but we might still get results we love. And that's really all that matters in the end of the day, right? As long as we're having fun doing it. 
Just wanted to give you a quick reminder, if you're thinking about buying studio monitors, definitely check out Adam Audio. They make great stuff, and I've listened to their studio speakers in multiple studios, and it sounds good. Don't forget to check out the T8V series. It actually recently won a Sound on Sound award, uh, nominated as the best monitor in 2021. So that's a pretty big deal. Uh, if you're looking for new monitors, check it out. Go to adam-audio.com, adam-audio.com if you're looking for some monitors. Also, I want to give a big shout out to my friends at Melodics. Download that desktop app, plug in your MIDI controller, start practicing, because if you're not practicing, you're not going to get better. That's just how it works. It's science. So check out Melodics.com. They have some really fun lessons. They have a huge, wide range of genres that you can practice in. So it's fun because you can choose the type of genre you're into and then start growing your skills that way. And use the discount code LPO-20 join the subscription plan. There's also a free trial. So check that out at melodics.com and back to today's episode. Have, have you finished much music in, in, in the 2020 during the lockdown? Or did it... I have actually the last, the last song I released was actually started out as a joke. Like it was a hotline bling by Drake. I don't know if you've ever heard that song. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like literally, I, I was just a little tipsy in the studio with one of my friends. And I was like, we should totally remix that because it just came on like randomly. I don't even know how it was like on YouTube or something to start playing. I was like, man, we should totally like sample that and remix it, bring it back. You know, I'm not even a big Drake fan, to be honest, but I thought it was it was hilarious. And then we started playing with it. And I was like, this actually is kind of a banger. <laughs> like, nice. Yeah. What about you? Um, well, I have to say, if, if, if there wouldn't have been a pandemic, I probably wouldn't have finished the Melody Trigger device and I wouldn't have played the gig I played in December, which was a uh, live streaming gig, uh. Uh, because I, I never found the time to, or I never took the time to say like, well, I want to do the set where I play only acoustic drums triggering everything. That looked yeah. awesome too. Where, where was that, that live stream and who was it for? Um, that's um, um, a small bar, uh, cafe I'm involved in. We do shows and it's it's like a collective run pub. Awesome. Uh, we are, we are a corporation and yeah, we don't get paid there to do shit, but it's just like, we love the place. You know, I'm living yeah. in a small student town. And so if you want nice shows, you have to do it yourself. So um, yeah, and this place obviously is suffering um, because of lockdown. And so we decided to do lots of live streaming, like DJ stuff, but shows as well. And after a few months of like being in like one of the person who was mainly in charge for the technical side of things for the live streaming, I was kind of like, yeah, I want to do something else. And then was like, well, maybe I should play a show. Yeah, yeah maybe you should. I, you I should play <laughs> and and would love to see that. I know I'm not the only one. Yeah. And so and this this was how I was actually. Yeah why not do it now and just take two and a half months and write a whole set and play this gig. So yeah, so that's how this, this gig in December happened and it wouldn't have happened like under normal, normal-ish circumstances. So yeah. Was that melodic trigger promo video you have on your site? Was that actual part of the performance or was that like a separate video you made to promote it? So far I put up one song but there the whole show is up on 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 facebook not on my for facebook but on the club's 
Facebook. Yeah. And I wanted to release like every week, I wanted to release one video. Yeah. But but Google shut me out. <laughs> Google shut you out? What? Yeah. What so, mean? well, um, I have a little, I can't access my email at the moment issue. Uh, okay. Which, which uh, was uh, like... Uh, um, um, produced this uh, problem and communication between us uh, over like the last day. So I re I remember to write you like actually. Well, I d didn't know if you if you wrote me. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, that's wild, man. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. They they just said like yeah, there is some some suspicious behavior, and this this account is shut now. So wow. I got my password. I got my verification email. Everything is fine, you know. And then you yeah. get to a dialogue which are, where, where it's asking you to put in a phone number so that they can send you a code. And as, as soon as I put in a phone number, it says like, oh, this number has been used too often for verification already. Wow. So they're going to like, they're going to send you an envelope saying we need a, a blood DNA sample just to approve your Google account. You know? <laughs> to be honest, to be honest. I would do it. I would do it. I need to access this account. It's like, it's crazy. Don't the... do it, Toby. Don't give him your DNA. Well, mate, seriously, it's like, it's a big issue. I mean, I'm like kind of over it already, but it, it looks like it's a... F That's so annoying. It's a good chance that I'm going to lose my, my email contacts. It's a good chance that I'm going to lose my YouTube channel. You contacted their support. Like, have you... Yes. Yes. Oh, damn. Four chats already. Hours. Hours. All right, man. We let's get all the Ableton certified trainers together, and we'll just like storm Google, and we'll on your behalf, and be like, "Well, seriously, back, we want it back now." If if someone is listening here and has an idea, yeah. please or has has like know someone who's like working at the like technical team on Google, please get in touch. Hey, it's totally it's, possible, man. It's wow. it's it's a weird situation because like I've talked to the to the support, like I uh, chatted with the support four times, like for hours. And they like it always says like in the end they're saying, yeah, we're sorry, you, you need to just please keep trying. That's the worst, man. That's the worst. Yeah. You put so much time and energy in building your business and they're like, well, we're just gonna take away your email now. And yeah, sorry. Yeah, just get, yeah, not really. <laughs> We're going to stick it to the man. If anybody listening right now has any connects with Google or knows what to do, go to ableton.drummer.com, click the contact button, help this guy out. That's what we're here for. That's what we yes, do. Yes, please. Yes, please. So we talked about follow. We talked about some nerdy drumming Max for Live stuff, which I love. Let's just do a little shootout. I'm going to ask you a couple different genre category questions uh, about hardware. Okay. Let's talk about some hardware. So, Finger drumming. If you can only own one controller for finger drumming as a drummer, push two. Push two. Yep. To be to be honest, I don't have a lot of experience with others, so it's just what I got, and it works fine for me. And if if I do a recording and someone just needs like some some drum sounds on there, you know, I just switch on the push two and just put it in, and it usually does the job. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For I 100% agree. I was just getting, I was graduating from my Ableton class in Dubspot when the Push 1 came out, mm -hmm. which was very exciting at the time. Push 2 is a whole different controller. It's way better, mm. in my opinion. But I always tell people, in my experience, it's so much easier to learn Ableton Live software before you learn the Push 2 hardware because mm. they're married to each other. But as far as an electronic drum kit, which is more in your ballpark, what's your favorite electric kit? My favorite, well, 
because I'm I'm so much into playing hybrid at the moment. So mm. you know, and and like the the really really hot shit is like Roland TD50. 27k v stuff which which is like really advanced it's, ga- it's scary much. it's too much for me man the td right. like i'm never going to use everything in that brain the brain mm. is that brain is way smarter than my brain will ever be it's too much like i i feel like there's almost it's uh too many options where you get lost in the sauce mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. me and it's cool i think it's cool for people want to use that as a standalone you know like they're not working with the doll like yes. billions of options for them in there, but, and it's expensive, but I have the TD 30, which might, nice. might even still be too much. I've had that for a while. Mm-hmm. I bought it half broken. So half of it works, but, <laughs> but I love it. It's a great, it's a great thing for electric drums as a, as a brain. If you're using Ableton Live or if you're using like uh, drum VSDs or something, you, you, you just don't need the whole sound side of of the module it might be different if, if you play like really detailed live drumming stuff then because the latency is much better if you have the samples on the drum module obviously yeah. and it's it's more accurate because it's it's always the same latency which the latency on on computers like can change just a little bit because the computer prioritizes different processes over another each time no i want to I would love to talk about latency actually in a second, mm-hmm. if you don't mind. Okay. Yeah. I use, I use the TD or I'm sorry, the TM six pro mm-hmm. because of what you said, because you can import the sounds into the brain and then run that audio and you don't have to worry about latency and stuff like that. Um, and you got six separate outs. It's like yeah. a two master and four uh, separate. So you can use it as a re- like as an audio out for your playback stuff, for example, as well. So yeah, I haven't really gone that deep. Clearly, you know more about it than I do, and I own it. So, <laughs> but I love it. It's a great, it's a great controller. I've, I use it just to trigger samples for my drum kit live. Mm-hmm. Send that out front mm-hmm. house. Nice. Um, with the drum triggers. All right. So you mentioned drum VSTs while we're shooting out all these different things. Uh, Next category, what's your favorite drum VST? <laughs> Let me be brutally honest. I don't use any for yeah. for, for my own stuff. Yeah. I, I just use Ableton Live. Yeah. Um, Addictive Drummer is really uh, popular. I've kind of sort of used it for like a day. Mm-hmm. Um, it was all right. I wasn't a huge fan of the interface, but I know a lot of people okay. love that. Battery is another one by Native Instruments. Mm-hmm. I don't know if mm-hmm. you played much with that. But I once again the interface. I just didn't fall in love with it. Okay. Um, Did you try Superior Drummer? I haven't, but I know a lot of people love that too. Yeah. Uh, uh, there are a lot out there, and yeah, I I can't I can't I really can't say. I mean, um, because I I just don't use those actually. So that's totally cool. That goes back to what we were saying. If you get the results you want, like why go into all these other toys? You yeah, know? yeah. 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 I mean, um, there are some really nice um, library drum sounds in Ableton Live, which are multi-miked. So you can actually access the different, uh, It's yeah, so the snare drum is recorded with three different mics and you have access over each mic. And a lot of people I'm, don't know this. It's They are available in the stock library in Ableton Live. What's so, that called? Uh, it's... Um, I have to check. I have. I have, I did an article a few years ago for the Digital Drama magazine, and I I um I 
there is a list somewhere um, which of those are like multi-miked kits. And I think they are, um, it's a pack. I'm doing a little quick Google thing right now. Yeah. Drum machines? It's not drum machines, is it? No, no, no. Um, back in Ableton Live. I think it's just Session Drums Multi-Mic. Is that yes, it? that's okay. it. Yeah, the Ableton Live pack. Session. Ah, okay. Oh, it's actually, you have to buy it. Okay, I didn't yeah. know that. 79 US dollars. Has a yes. 300, 301 presets, 12 gigs of sounds. Rock drums is kind of the genre. Yeah, that's cool. It sounds good, though. Like, you, you love the way it sounds. Yeah, I mean, I mean, well, we were just talking about drum VSTs and at every VSC you were saying like, yeah, I, I wasn't too keen with the with the user interface. Right. You know, so it's, it's a lot of the things like about the software is like, do you feel comfortable in this environment there? Do you do 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 you do you find what you're looking for? And as we both are like Ableton Live geeks for years now, obviously, like if there is something in this format, it's it's just much more accessible to us, even if it might be not as good. And even if there aren't some functions available there, like the symbol choke, for example, and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, there's always going to be a tendency for us to use stuff which is in the format we know. Right. Yeah, for sure. Now, there's a huge advantage to that. There's also a huge advantage from the standpoint of it being uh, friendly with your CPU. Your computer's not going to cry if you're running yes. heavy, fat VST, especially in a live scenario. Yes. Yes. Keeping especially. your computer happy and not sweating is always a win. Any other packs that you've liked that you've used while we're talking about packs you want to shout out? Um, definitely what, the... Maybe? Sorry? Or even ones that you've made, yeah. Um, there is, there's, um, I did an interview with, uh, KJ Sokka, Safgar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kevin, Kevin. I've seen him play live a few times. Yes, um, about his, yeah, might be like one and a half years ago, he released another pack. He got two Ableton Live packs. One is free, Mad Beats, and he released one, Matter Beats. And it's just, if you're into, like, banging in your face, like electronic music drum sounds give it a try um there is there is a like a free taster version of it and yeah i mean it always depends on the genre so but it's like really really highly processed in your face banging sounds that was that was mad beats by kj Saka. you're saying there was yeah there was a the first one is Mad Beats, which is free, if I'm right. Yeah, and yeah, it's free. Yeah, and the second one, which is the newer one, is called Meder, like M-A-D-D-E-R, Meta Beats. Okay, nice. Yeah, I'm I'm checking this out right now. Um, and this one goes for forty bucks or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's also on Splice too. That's a, yeah, it's forty-seven nice. US dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that looks pretty cool. Like, like the picture for the pack is him in just like some nice studio with a ridiculous amount of mics on a drum set. <laughs> He's just yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's um, nice presets as well. And here again, if you're using Ableton Live already, you got some macro controls. You know, you like it's like you can all do it with the push or with the controller, etc. So, so it's it's like it locks into the system you might know already. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. So yeah, really nice if you just need a few banging in your face sounds. Everybody um, loves that though. Who doesn't like big, fat, thick drums? You know. Yeah. 
That's but this is this is like not like uh, stuff like we talked before, like a superior drummer, like trying to get the sound of acoustic right. drum sets. This is like more like Very processed um, yeah. EDM drum samples. Right. Some really big boots and cats rhythm. Yes. Four. Yes. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Um, all right. So two. I got two more questions for you. Um, yes, please. But most importantly, I wanted to know about your latency issues because I feel like that's something I hear all the time. People mm. are like I'm having problem with my latency, and you know they're like I don't know why I'm running, you know, twelve VSTs and trying to play MIDI. <laughs> it's like well. <laughs> <laughs> buffer number one change your buffer make it lower 128 is kind of where i live um but any other workarounds or things that you have found to help reduce latency i'm sure anybody playing electronic drums or even just mm. kind of midi instrument or controller like a few people uh were are trying out the new m1 apple stuff i got mine today Hey! I, I haven't set it up, so I'm not using it right now. But it's it's, uh, it's in a box. I have to. Yeah. Open it. I'm very excited. Yeah. Uh, the Mac Mini or the yes, the Mac Mini. Yeah. Mac Mini. Yeah. So and it's just like it looks like uh, in the near future, latency is not going to be an issue for us anymore. It feels like, and I'm not sure. I haven't tried, etc. But I saw some values from people, and they were like like crazy like unbelievably like really? like z zero dot milliseconds delay you know uh, so uh -oh. so it's like kind of like like can't be true can't be true so if ableton is optimized if the vsts are optimized which might take a few years i'm not i'm not sure how this all works it's like all too in a language techie thingy i don't really understand but it okay. looks like some big steps are happening here it's exciting That's so exciting. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like a lot of software companies right now, or most of the ones I use have already caught up. They're, they're already mm -hmm. updated for it. And there's a couple out there for sure that are still trying to, to update, but. So that's like, I mean, that's always like the limitation you need to be aware of. Like, what is your system capable to do? And you have to be, you have to think into those limits. And obviously, if you're going to use 12 VSTs live, it's kind of like, well, sorry but why yeah you know right um if, if you're playing like five songs and you got like 10 vsts it's not your life yeah <laughs> something like in in like how how you're going along i what i would like highly advise to people to say like well yeah you're using this vst to play three samples just record those samples and chuck those into into a drum rack yeah you know yeah. so or a sampler Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, base keys. You know, you could just sample that whole preset patch, put it in a sampler. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Resample stuff because it's just like obviously, if a sample is sitting inside Ableton Live or is being triggered from inside Ableton Live, it's like much more CPU friendly than having like a second door or a second plugin just running for that. Obviously. So. Yeah, try to make as much as you can inside of Ableton Live would be number one. So I I had I had this with like I'm um, do you do you know this um three P um drum synthesizer from Clavia? Oh uh, no. I'm checking it out there right now. So it's it's like it's a drum synthesizer with three sound engines and a reverb and a delay and that's it. Okay. But it's it's a really nice Clavia Nord. Uh, yeah, 
the Nord, yeah, Nord makes great stuff. Yeah. And it got great sounds. It's like really dynamic drum sounds. It's a drum synthesizer. The sound is like happening there. So for one tune, I wanted to play different pitches. So I needed to send the MIDI into Ableton Live, sending it into my melody trigger device, triggering a melody, sending the MIDI back to the clavier. And the latency just didn't felt right. So I just said, okay, I just gonna resample those 10 notes. Yeah. Put them into Ableton Live, you know? Yeah. Done. Sorted. Um, yes. What else latency wise? Well, I mean, play around with your audio and audio audio in and audio out. So for example, I wanted to use a microphone uh just to make some announcements during my show. And so I thought, yeah, I I got a audio interface with audio in as well. So I'm just gonna use this one and route it out via a separate um, external out channel to the front of house or to the live stream sound engineer. And then I thought like, as soon as I turned on the audio in, even if the numbers weren't changing for the latency out values, it even like, changed the feeling of it and it like at, at some point it was like it wasn't as quick and as stable as the latency like we're talking about like tiny micro settings feelings here it's it's not measurable in like on the screen but you feel it like that doesn't feel doesn't feel yeah. right yeah so yeah just just don't use an audio in then just yeah. browse it directly via the sound card di internally or just plug in the mic somewhere else yeah. sorted you know just don't yeah. don't use what you don't need yeah you could just bypass the DAW really and monitor that way yeah yeah, yeah. yeah i've done the same thing with my uh, uad apollo mm -hmm. many times and creating like even a virtual out or something for that yeah yeah man that's great that's good advice that's for sure good advice well i have uh, actually, another question. So the other big question I wanted to ask is, what in what ways do you think MIDI 2.0 might change some of the drumming experience? <sighs> a huge question, and I honestly, it's a huge question. I, I don't know, honestly. Yeah, I I don't know either. I I tried. I I took like tried twice to find out like what is actually happening in MIDI 2.0. And so far, what I what I understood was like one thing is um, controllers or hardware uh, should be able to send a profile of itself to the other thing, which is which it is connected to. So maybe that means like um, the TD30 you are playing could send an info to Ableton Live saying like, well, when I'm playing a kick drum. I'm on C1. Yeah. Yeah. For example. So, which is like the general MIDI standard anyways, but things change here quite often. So just like things like that. So if, if you plug in a cable into your kick trigger inputs, then this gets told to the other thing, which is connected to the sound engine maybe. So I'm just guessing here. I can't say, yeah. I think this is yeah. more about MIDI controllers, which are like, don't know like a launch pad or something you know so so you know the the um the knobs there is like midi script like they gonna yeah. be like locked into the thing they can gonna control better 
Definitely. Yeah, I did a really interesting podcast episode with Brett Porter, who's one of the lead developers for me. Hmm. I know. Uh, I don't know if you've ever talked to or met him. You should hit him up if you ever had questions about MIDI 2.0. Cool. He's yeah. A brilliant guy. And honestly, blew my mind with a lot of stuff. But that was episode 66 for anybody listening. Um, okay. I'm going to check it out. Definitely. Super nice guy. Really, really helpful. But yeah, he talked about, you know, like as you were saying, there's a whole new protocol of languages that didn't exist before that now can make things talk to each other in a new consistent way and have things, more messages, make more things happen with like one cable than before. Mm. Wild. And and um, I don't know if you have talked with him about it, but isn't it supposed to like, because now it's like, let's say limited to like uh, decimal numbers from zero to 127. Yeah. So it would be nice to have the float numbers in there as well, for example, for velocity. So. You, yeah. you you get my point? Yeah, is no, this I, part of? I think it is. I really think I think cool. it is a big part of it, and I can't say more than that because I don't know. From what I was talking to him, if instead of zero to one hundred twenty-seven, that's like expanded. I forget the number he said. It was like okay, nah, perfect. It was, it was a huge resolution change for sure. Yeah, cool. But, so obviously, that's if that's going to be implemented, then obviously your playing velocity is not going to be scaled no. to 127 no. values. Yeah, it's so going to be scaled to whatever. Yeah, for an electric drummer, you talk about the sensitivity. That's yeah. a whole new world. It's beautiful. Yes, probably a lot more like playing an actual real acoustic timbre drum. Well, mm. and that's the other thing. Um, one thing I ran into when I first plugged in my electric drum set. And I was just using MIDI, so I was just triggering samples in the drum rack. One thing I ran into is like, oh, well, every time I hit, it's going to be a volume of 0 to 127. But the timbre of the sample that I'm using is always the same. <laughs> so there's not that expressivity as far as like, you know, if I hit a snare drum real quiet, the actual tone of the drum is going to be way different than if I hit that exact <clears> same <throat> spot on the same drum twice as loud, you know, it's going to have a yes. different sound altogether. And if you're using just say that a snare drum that was produced and it has that sound and you're only playing the volume of it in a drum rack, mm -hmm. that's, I think one reason a lot of people really gravitate to using like addictive drummer, like VSTs and stuff, because they've sampled all the in-betweens by hitting the drum real quiet and then real loud. And then that you can change the timbre of the sound by every time it hits with velocity. Um, just to let you know, like if you look into the session drum pack, you have multi-layered uh, drum samples there yeah. as well. So, right. you know, it's like, and and then going back to example, if you if you're playing the TM6 Pro, it's it's not multi-layered. You know, so it depends on what kind of feeling you are looking for, and yeah. it doesn't always mean like, especially if you play EDM stuff, you don't want multi-layered stuff. You want like. In yeah. your face, you snare want a hit, consistent hit. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, that's true. So, so it always depends, obviously. Um, yeah. And the pro, well, the problem here is you need some sort of like positional sensing here. If if you want to like get the different uh, timber from from the drum or from like a different drum sound, like you would play as an acoustic drummer to, to, yeah, to really get different sounds from the drum, not only in loudness and velocity, but in like pitch-ish yeah. sounds. So, and this, yeah, 
I mean, sensory percussion is is yeah, really good for that. Glad you said um, that. I, I played um, for Gearfest. They had a demo kit that they set up, and I played on it for like 20 minutes, and I loved mm. it. I didn't like the price tag, but I loved <laughs> the actual instrument. It was amazing. Yes. Yeah, I, I got a course on that as well. So how really? to use sensory percussion with? Yeah, I need. I actually need to update it because they developed much more, and they now have an audio plugin and a MIDI plugin for for Ableton. So you don't actually oh, you, you you use really? it as a yeah you use it as a VST actually inside of Ableton Live, and it makes the routing much more better and much more clear. But still, some latency issues here if you play sounds. But if you just use the MIDI, so for people who don't know about it, the difference for uh, with sensory percussion is that you can you get an positional sensing. It's it's not a trigger. It's a, like a, a sensor. It's a microphone. Yeah. And you train it to your drum it is connected to and how your drum is sounding. And it works with mesh heads pretty well as well. So you don't need to use an acoustic drum. You can use um, a mesh head and then just uh, check it on there and then train it how your drum is sounding. And the software is analyzing like at which point you're playing or if you're playing the rim the rim with your tip or with the shaft etc side stick you can set up up to nine zones um for a drum and they are just sending different midi notes so you could have different samples being triggered depending on where you hit your drum and yeah that's the far it's one of of the of the things like if you if you use it with ableton live yeah if you combine stuff with ableton live yeah. Of, of obviously the Roland stuff with their own modules, they are doing this as well. But it's just if you if you plug it into Ableton Live, you just get a D one. You get always the same pitch, no matter where you play. So maybe this could be something for for MIDI two There might be some information maybe to grab which you can take to alter the MIDI note or yeah. I'm not not sure yet. Cool. Yeah, I love Roland. I'm trying to get them to sponsor the podcast. So if anybody is listening right now, <laughs> yeah, we're big fans. Okay, so I started doing this new thing that I'm going to be doing for future podcast episodes. I started a Discord community where it's which nice. is which is free through a private link, which you should join. By the way, I don't know if you're on Discord or not. Would love to have you there. But basically, I'm just going to ask a question. Like it'd be like, "Hey, I'm interviewing this person," and then several people will post questions for the interview. Mm-hmm. And so I had two questions that I chose for you on this episode. And somebody said, what is the best way to create MIDI notes in a clip and then save that MIDI clip to share with other users later? Right click and uh, export as MIDI clip. It's easy. Done. Yeah. <laughs> Done. And then you get a MIDI file. And if you are just sharing it uh, with other Ableton Live users, perfect. If you open it in different doors, it might not be hundred percent accurate. For example, if you if you if you export stuff uh, into MIDI and then open it in MuseScore, for example, which is a great um, notation software, it's uh, freeware, runs on Mac, Linux, and Windows. So it's great for for educators because oh. your students can use it for free, and you can just like. You know, when you're teaching drums, for example, you can say like uh, bounce um, stuff back and forth. So if you're opening up stuff in there, it might look different and you need to set the notes a little bit different, etc. 
Ableton is not giving out the best MIDI <laughs> information here. Um, not standardized or some things, some smaller things are missing here. But if you're, if you're just using it with another Ableton Live user, it's perfect. Right click, export as MIDI clip, done. The, the beauty with MIDI is um, you, you can download MIDI files, which might have like four tracks right. and the, it, it got like instrumentation on there already, which is saved in the MIDI clip. You know, so if you're just opening up this one MIDI file and it has four different voices in there with four different MIDI clips. So, and in, in Ableton Live, they will be shown the names of like the different instruments, let's say drums, violin, trumpet, piano. It will say those names in there. But if you export it, it doesn't show, doesn't show the names or it doesn't like you, you can't, you can only uh, export it as one MIDI clip and not like as like four voices. Or I, may, I maybe haven't found the right wave. I, I wasn't looking for it, but this is always the problem if you do stuff with MIDI in Ableton Live and then open it somewhere else. Right. Right. Um, sometimes you don't, or you get more information from other doors and from other softwares. Oh, that's a good answer. That's good to know. Um, so the other person asked about overcoming latency when playing MIDI drums in a drum rack. We basically already talked about that. Um, I don't know if there's anything else you want to say. I mean, obviously, it, it's like maybe to mention it for people who are not haven't looked into this, obviously, play around with your buffer size. Yeah. I mean, that's like for us, it's obvious, but like you, you, you want to have a different buffer size when you're playing live than when you are producing for example. And the best way to understand this and to set this right, just open the help view in Ableton Live, and then you get all the tutorials about like basic stuff in Ableton Live. And there is one section which is called Audio I.O. for in and out, if I recall that right. And it's like a eight step tutorial to walk you through finding the best presets or to, to, to adjust the buffer size, etc for the stuff you're using. Yeah. Just do this and then, yeah, you get a better picture of like what your system can do and what it can't do. Yeah, and Ableton's website has a lot of, lot of info about this stuff too and their manuals as well. Mm -hmm. They're really helpful. Well, I want to respect your time. It's so good seeing you, man, hanging out. It's been far too yeah. long. We should definitely do this again. Definitely. Is there anything else that you want to say? And if not, then tell us how we can stay connected with you in the future. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, obviously, um, Ableton 11 will come out soon. It might be out when you're going to post this. And as I mentioned earlier... Very shortly after we post this, yeah. Okay. So, um, um, yeah, the new follow feature and the new tempo... The, the tempo guide I'm working on. I, I developed about seven Max for Life devices, which will let you do things in tempo, uh, tempo connected stuff, which you aren't able to do now. Just to give you one example, you have the tap function in Ableton Live. So if you want to change the tempo and you want to tap it in, the problem with the tap function in Ableton Live is as soon as you click it, it will jump somewhere weird crazy yeah, yeah yeah so i developed a device where you can just tap first you can even switch on a flashing light so you can see you can monitor the tempo you are tapping and then you can set up a 
second pad to fire that tempo. That's so beautiful. I would totally use that with DJing. I've, yeah. 100%. Exactly. And so it's like it's seven devices all built around that or face nudge, for example. You can nudge the tempo down, for example, but as soon as you release, it goes back to the set tempo, uh, which is set as BPM and you're able to live set. Yeah. So I made a Max for Life device, which actually gonna stay on that tempo. Oh, beautiful. No, it's just, it just little things for the follow action, uh, for the not follow action, follow tempo device. I made a device, which is actually, well, I have to go a bit deeper. If you use follow and if you use arrangement, you got a problem because if you have song tempo automation set up, in arrangement, and as soon as you switch on follow, the the song tempo automation is broken. Yeah. It's overwritten. Yep. So your whole set is not. So what you need to do is you need to press click re-enable automation. So what I did is a device which automatically, if you turn off follow, it automatically re-enables uh, oh, automation. Nice. That's so nice. Yeah. yeah. Could you can you MIDI map follow? I assume you can. You can MIDI map follow, but um, in the device itself, you you, ha you get a button which you can MIDI map or which you can link to a certain MIDI node. And you can, another thing, <laughs> if the transport isn't playing, follow is still active, follow is still listening to what you're doing. So you make a drum roll maybe between uh, songs uh, during a break and uh, you will uh, F up, you will F up your tempo. Surprise, yeah. <laughs> so, the device will like automate, you can switch like automatically switch off if the transport isn't playing. So you know? nice. Yeah. And that saves you from an extra button push or clicking your mouse. Exactly. That's and this will all come out, I hope, during next week okay. with some tutorials with a, about 20 page PDF tempo guide on, on tempo, different tempo concepts in Ableton Live, setup guide for the tempo follow feature, etc. So this is what I'm working on at the moment. And I'm that's huge. I'm trying to get the soft. Yeah. And yeah. where can people download that? So this obviously is going to be posted on ableton.drama.com where I post all my stuff. Um, I have some smaller stuff, which I sometimes don't write a blog post for because it's just a smaller device. I'm just you've got trying other to do. You're busy. To, no, yeah, just I'm. It's because um, we have this community on Facebook, Ableton Drummer, and sometimes people ask me like, "Ah, is there a device which can do X, Y, Z?" And then it's like, "Ah, yeah, I have a device which can do similar things." And then yeah, I just do a quick fix, and I just send it to this person and ask for a donation or something. So, and then sometimes I just put up stuff there to say like, well, here, here is the stuff. It, it would take me hours to develop, like a, write a manual, to do a tutorial, da, 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 da. and sometimes this is like, you know, like just put it out and, don't know, put it out for a donation or something. So I can't like spend the time on like hours on creating tutorials for that and always. So yeah, this is like a really good place. We have like one of the big names or like well-known drummers um, uh, from the people who are starting out, people who are playing the stuff like, or doing the stuff for years, like big stages, etc. And the, the drum techs from the guys who are doing that <laughs> are more active in this group, obviously. Yeah. So yeah, come, come to Facebook and uh, join the group and just post your questions there. And there are always people like 
who yeah. are there for help and giving you a hand with stuff. So yeah, just. It's a great community, man. Every once in a while, I'll pop my head in there and there's a lot of activity going on and it's a great group. And especially even for anybody who does playback, I feel like as a drummer, a, mm -hmm. lot, a lot of times the drummers are the playback engineers. They just, because people on stage are like, well, we'll just give him the laptop and let him hit play or whatever. And then they, yes, have, yes, yes. they have to figure a lot of that out. So. Yeah, it's not it's not only drummers in there, you know, it's just like from yeah. from a drumming perspective and obviously there are people in there who are like doing finger drumming or just have you just said have questions about playback stuff. So yeah, just come and join and don't just join and post <laughs> your tutorials yeah, in there, check which is out like, my sick beats. Check it yeah, out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very strict about that. So no, you I should just, be. Yeah, yeah. No. It's gotta contribute yeah. somehow or ask questions. Yes. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, thank you so much for your time. It's always good seeing you. Always good hanging out. Let's do this again. I'm going to have this posted on Tuesday. So cool. we'll send that out for the world and uh, keep doing what you do. I'm excited to see that new follow Max for Live Device and all the other toys. Yeah, it's going to be a big collect, like tempo collection, yeah. like, something like that. So yeah, I will send out a newsletter when it's there so yeah sure and I'll, I'll be posting some of that too in the private discord community i just started as nice well. yeah cool spread the okay. good news of toby yay Appreciate thank you man thanks for doing that always man it's always good seeing you good hang i'll talk to you later yeah dan keep it up dude thanks man you too all right peace one bye bye keep doing yoga i will i will <laughs> cool. see ya Hey, thanks again, everyone, for listening to the podcast. It means a lot. Uh, wherever you're listening, please like, subscribe, comment, post, leave a review. Reviews are great. So if you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. We'd love that. Also, check out the Discord community I mentioned. If you go to liveproducersonline.com slash Discord, join the community, share your tracks, ask questions, get help when you need it with ableton live questions and grow your skills we'll be doing live streaming in there as well to build the community so check that out thanks again and i will see you guys next time